So this leper, full of infirmity, came to Jesus. And this poor man came to Jesus, imploring him, begging and pleading with him. And then kneeling, opened his lips and cried to him, If you will, you can make me clean. If you are willing, Lord, you can cleanse me. The Lord Jesus, in verse 41, is moved with pity. In passionate sympathy, Jesus stretches out his hand, touches this leper, and says, I will be clean. And immediately, the cells of his diseased body recompose. His likely disfigured members regenerate his nerve damage and raw flesh mend into skin like a baby's. Verse 42 says, immediately, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. So as we consider this marvelous cleansing, let's begin by beholding who Jesus is. Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reveals three things to us about the Lord Jesus from verses 41 and 42. We behold Jesus' heart, Jesus' presence, and Jesus' power. First, upon hearing and seeing the leper, Jesus was moved with pity, manifesting the heart of the Lord Jesus. Christ is moved with pity. His heart goes out to this leper. Most Jews of that day maintained their distance uh, of at least six feet from lepers. And if the wind was blowing, they would be much, much farther, lest they breathe the air of the leper. Jews were known to even stone lepers who wandered beyond their limits. Jesus, by contrast, has compassion. In this phrase, moved with pity, there is the sense of deep compassion. Even a righteous indignation and anger at this man's terrible, wretched state. Christ's insides are stirred with sympathy for this man. The God of Israel who was a God of mercy and grace, who abounds in steadfast love, the testimony about God that repeats again and again throughout the Old Testament, a God who is grieved by evil and its consequences, here unveils his heart anew in Jesus. Far from being removed or unmoved by your particular suffering this morning, Jesus fully sympathizes with you. His heart churns at your griefs. And read the life of Jesus and you'll behold this heart, a heart that is full of compassion. Second, Jesus stretches out his hand and touches the leper. Unlike everyone else in the ancient world, Jesus drew near. What a scene. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God touching a stinking, stricken leper. And the shock of this occasion lies in the highly transferable uncleanness spread through touch. Any Jew who touched something unclean became himself ritually unclean, in a state of defilement before God. So as Jesus leaned forward, rather than away from the man, his disciples must have been cringing, holding their breath. But to everyone's amazement, the impossible happened. Rather than the leper defiling Jesus, Jesus transfers cleanness and health into the man totally unscathed by his disease. 
The Gospel of Mark, all the Gospels, are full of accounts of Christ touching and being touched by needy people, treating their uncleannesses, their afflictions, and their wounds. And though Christ, the great physician, is now in heaven, ascended to the right hand of the Father, he is still touching people today. Jesus is still near. He said, I will be with you always to the end of the age, to his own. Thirdly, behold his power. Jesus' lips announce the words, I will be clean. With the command of deity alone, Jesus proclaims health and cleansing over this man. He speaks and it happens. This is what's called the divine imperative. When God in the beginning spoke, the void fled and the universe was. When Jesus spoke, the leprosy fled and the man was clean. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the book of Hebrews says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The ten billion trillion stars in the universe, the mighty mountain peaks of Everest and Mount K2, down to the crevices of the Great Barrier Reef, all sustained by the word of the almighty Lord Jesus Christ. His heart has all compassion. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is omnipotent. Is your face unveiled this morning? Is your face unveiled to behold the the beauty of the Lord, the glory of the Lord? We will not be like him until we behold him. Look with me now in your Bibles at Mark 1.40. The leper came to Jesus, implored Jesus, and knelt before Jesus. Then the leper said, if you will, you can make me clean. The leper first came to Jesus. First we must ask, why did he come? Well, the leper's coming must have been grounded in at least two things, need and hope. Need for if the leper was content to remain walking as a walking corpse, he would have never sought help. And hope, for if the leper didn't have hope that Jesus might help him, he never would have taken the pains of entering a city, which was forbidden for lepers, in order to find him. The leper was in no denial of his desperate condition. His personal experience, the restrictions of God's law, kept his need at the front of his attention. When you read the demands of God's law regarding treatment and restoration of lepers in the Old Testament, you may wonder, why was God so severe in his rules surrounding the ceremonially unclean? Well, practically, some of these diseases were contagious. Therefore, isolation and quarantine protected the rest of the community. It was God's mercy upon Israel and for her preservation that strict legislation was given for these unfortunate cases. But there's more to the picture for why such painful measures were taken to isolate this illness. Because leprosy stands as a picture or a parable of sin with its devastating effects. When you read all the rituals in the Torah surrounding disease, death, and other impurities, the Almighty God is preaching a sermon on sin. Ceremonial uncleanness did not necessarily mean a state of sinfulness, but it indicated that God was set apart, that he was holy, 
and to be his holy people dwelling in his holy presence required that they separate from all that is associated with death. In our day, the World Health Organization has reported over 200,000 cases of leprosy, Hansen's disease, primarily in India, Brazil, and Indonesia. And thankfully, with modern medicine, this disease is now curable, and the spread is greatly diminished. So even now, as we're praying for the Lord to revive his land, may we pray for those that are still uh, ill with, with leprosy, that God would touch them. But the spread of spiritual leprosy, the disease of sin, is just as rampant as it was in Jesus' day. Now, one living among the 8 billion people on earth today is uninfected. The prophet Jeremiah describes our condition this way. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. We are all terminally ill and there remains no man-made cure. We are full of a deadlier disease and the prognosis is death and hell. Lepers were considered the living dead. And so we by nature are dead in sin, even while we live. Because of our infection, our hopeless state, we are in desperate need of healing. So this morning, if you are not a believer yet, do you recognize your need before, as a sinner before a holy Christ? who is a mighty judge, the judge of all the earth. And brother and sister in Christ, do you recognize your need this morning? Your need for daily mercies, for daily bread, for God's daily sustaining grace to keep you, to keep us from stumbling. We won't come to Jesus until we admit our need. We will not approach the great physician unless we acknowledge we are sick and unable to heal ourselves. But beyond just knowing our need, do you possess hope this morning? Hope that there is help out there. Hope that there is someone who can save you and that you can't save yourself. Hope that there is one with the power and love that you need to be eternally healthy and happy. The leper probably didn't know much about Jesus. This man didn't have a master's in biblical studies. He hadn't gone to church in years. But he knew one thing. This man, Jesus, he's touched other people. Perhaps, perhaps he would heal me too. And this is good news. This is really good news for all who have ears to hear today. The same Jesus who healed the leper, welcomes all who would come to him today. And how did this leper come to the one who might help him? Well, he came in desperation and reverence. Look again with me at Mark 140. Mark tells us that the leper implored Jesus. He begged and pleaded with Jesus for mercy and cleansing. He was desperate. Brother and sister, when you, when you pray to your Lord, when you're in need, what does the cry of your heart sound like? Do we own the cry of the psalmist? Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh 
faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. God is looking for those who, who seek Him diligently, with all of their hearts, all of their souls. The Lord rewards those who diligently seek Him. And friend, you who may not be in Christ, maybe you're unsure of your spiritual state, Realize like this poor leper that you are dying and that after death comes judgment. That today, today is the day of grace. Now is the day of salvation. That there will be a day when the doors of heaven slam shut and all who are not cleansed in the blood of Jesus will be consigned to the lake of fire. The leper came to Jesus in desperation. He also came in reverence. The leper knelt before Jesus' feet. When you read the life of Jesus, how many people rightly fall at his feet, even on their faces, in recognition of his lordship? And yet today, how many people tritely use that name? Jesus Christ the name above all names, the name by which men alone can be saved. Jesus existed in the splendor of triune glory before being born as a baby, and he will return as an exalted king with fire in his eyes and his face like the blazing sun. Family of God, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. So the leper The leper came to Jesus, and he came with desperation and reverence. Secondly, the leper asked of Jesus. The second part of verse 40. If you will, you can make me clean. Formed more as a declaration than a question, still this leper was petitioning the Lord. And how did he pray? Well, firstly, he asked with humility. If you will, or in other translations, if you are willing. This phrase shows the leper's humble submission to the will of Christ. He did not presume upon Christ's mercy to fulfill his desire or demand that Christ do something, but he humbly with a broken spirit cried, If you will. The leper appealed to the heart of Jesus. Christ's will here refers to what he desires to do, what his, his heart's wish and purpose. In appealing to the will of Christ, the leper in submission recognized his unworthiness and his limited knowledge of God's sovereign purpose. Thus, if you will. And though we now have God's scriptures and so we know his revealed will, we know his heart in the word, we cannot know God's secret will, that which remains unknown to us, hidden in the counsels of God alone, the time and manner of your death, the reason and the duration of your particular suffering. But we do know, according to 1 Timothy 4, 2.4, that in God's heart there is the desire, the same word for will in this sense, for all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. We know that some will refuse Christ and perish. But all who come to him, he will never cast out. So what ails you this morning? What burdens you? 
what hinders your fellowship with Jesus, your fellowship with your God? With humility, with humility, ask of Jesus according to his desire to save and according to his great love. The leper asked of Jesus with humility and secondly, he asked with faith. If you will, you can make me clean. You can make me clean indicates bold faith in the power of Christ. You can do this. I know that you are able. An astounding claim. Heal a leper. Cure the incurable. And yet Jesus simply stretches out his hand, touches him, speaks a word, and heals him. Without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Impossible. But by faith, with faith, all things are possible. Let us continue now to the charge that Jesus gives. The leper is healed. He is made clean. Standing before Jesus, you can imagine him examining his hands, his arms, his feet, his torso, his body, stunned and shocked, perhaps shift to laughing as he realizes the miracle that has just happened. His life has in a moment dramatically changed. A touch from Jesus has changed everything for him. But Christ wasn't finished with the man. Jesus gave him a miracle, and now he gives him a mandate. We are told in verse 43, Jesus sternly charged him. And at once sent him away saying, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what is commanded for a proof to them. Unfortunately, this stern warning of Jesus seems to have entered one ear and left the other. For the next verse tells us what the leper did. Verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. Complete disobedience. And what's the consequence? Well, the second part of verse 45. Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and the people were coming to him from every quarter. So our narrative takes a peculiar, sudden turn. From this striking charge, we will again begin by beholding the Lord. In verses 43 and 44, we see that Jesus has all authority that Jesus is always wise, and that Jesus is fully God. First, Jesus has all authority. Jesus swiftly sends the man away with a stern warning and a command, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, offer what's necessary. Notice how Jesus addressed this man. He wasn't wishy-washy. Jesus wasn't making suggestions. Jesus sternly, strongly, strictly commanded him. He spoke with all authority. He spoke with the expectation of being obeyed. When Jesus taught in the synagogues, people were astonished at what? One, his gracious words that were flowing from his mouth, and the authority with which he spoke. This man speaks in such a way that we cannot ignore him. He leaves us with no choice but either to repent and follow him or reject him outright. And here in Mark 1, Jesus moves from 
tender compassion to serious command. Exercising the same authority to dispel disease as now to commission a disciple. We must not think that the kindness and gentleness of Jesus diminishes the seriousness with which he expects our obedience. And secondly, what is Jesus' stern prohibition? Well, Jesus prohibited talking about what he had done for him. Now, this is a little bit strange, isn't it? Didn't Jesus tell us to spread the news abroad, to, to tell people the good news of what he's done? Doesn't he want us to share the gospel, to share his power? But here we must behold Christ's wisdom. Jesus was not seeking publicity based solely for his miracles. In fulfillment of a prophecy from Isaiah 42.2, Jesus was the humble servant who did not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. Namely, Jesus was not after fame for his wonder-working, but for the gospel which the wonders confirmed. The Son of God. Oh, how wise he was in this peculiar charge to be quiet. But notice how Jesus says, go to the priest and follow the law of Moses. Why? Well, Jesus was a faithful Jew. In the Old Covenant, the priests were to examine lepers, and if by chance healing came, were to pronounce cleansing over them after the right uh, sacrifices were offered. And at that point, the priests would give them the okay to be welcomed back into the community and join them again in Jewish life and worship. But healing for leprosy rarely did come in the cases that we see in Scripture. And on the rare occasion that it did, it was seen as a miracle of God alone. And so Jesus tells the leper to go, show himself to the priest for a proof to them. Well, a proof of what? Well, Jesus wanted the priests to have the evidence, the proof of a case of healed leprosy. A sign of nothing short of God's hand at work. When they would ask this leper, how did this happen to you? He would say, well, the hand of Jesus touched me. And this proof was nothing short of a demonstration that God's hand is Jesus' hand. Jesus had healed the leper as God incarnate. Unlike Moses, who had to beg God to heal Miriam of her leprosy, Unlike Elisha, who maintained his distance from Naaman and gave God all the credit, Jesus touched the man and from his own essence transfers life. How can this be? There's only one reasonable explanation. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, fully man, is also fully God. The former leper's testimony would begin with the priests and surely spread from there. That was Jesus' plan. That was Jesus' timing, Jesus' wise and discerning will for that man and for his own glory. The man heard Jesus, but he didn't trust and obey Jesus. And there were serious consequences. So the primary lesson we can learn from the man's response to Jesus' charge is to always trust and obey Jesus. The leper began well. 
He exhibited genuine faith in the Messiah, and the Lord rewarded his faith with a miracle. But following the initial step of faith comes a daily trusting in the Messiah. Unfortunately, now that he was healed, the man disregarded the word of the Lord, leaning on his own understanding rather than trusting in Jesus. And how often may we, in desperation and in need, cry out to the Lord, and in his timing he grants us the deliverance, only for us to then turn again to lean on our own understanding and depend on our own wisdom. Initial faith may save, but it cannot carry us throughout life. A daily reliance upon Jesus is necessary for a fruitful, holy, kingdom-advancing life. It's a looking to Him, a clinging to His promises, a believing His every word, even when it seems counterintuitive, difficult, or confusing. We are to trust Him, remembering that Jesus has all authority and Jesus is always wise. After the healing, the man must have been thrilled. He must have been so excited. So it's not surprising that he opened his mouth without restraint to tell everybody about what just happened to him. It must have seemed so right to him to broadcast this life-altering news. And so he did just that, what feels, what felt right. But as Martin Luther rightly put it, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Not else is worth believing. On this occasion, Jesus commanded the man not to speak, but he blazed the news abroad like wildfire. It's a strange fact, said one commentator, that the one Jesus commanded to tell no one told everyone, and we who are commanded to tell everyone often tell no one. Jesus knew the effects of the healed man's preaching. He knew the harm that it would do to the freedom of his preaching ministry. Jesus knows the future, and we are often absorbed merely in the present. Jesus knows the fruit of every action, the result of every behavior, the consequence of every decision. And he warns us of the magnitude of sin's devastation. He warns us not because he is a cosmic killjoy, but because he is the great joy giver knowing that the fullness of joy is found in his presence alone. So friends, obedience, obedience follows restoration. As Jesus Christ saved you this morning, what follows is not our own vision for the Christian life, however noble or God-glorifying we may be convinced that it is, but freedom to submit to Christ and his call upon our lives. And what is his call? What is God's call upon each of us who profess the name of Jesus today? To the leper, Jesus' order was, go, show yourself to the priest. To us, in light of Jesus' atoning death and victorious resurrection, it's go, make disciples of all nations. Not only the work of pastors and missionaries, but the work of all of us who name the name of the Lord God has sent us the Spirit to equip us for the work of wisely witnessing in our families, our workplaces, our communities. And He has baptized us with the power we need to bring the gospel even to the ends of the earth, 
where people have yet to hear the good news about Jesus that we enjoy in this place. Do you pray as Isaiah prayed? Brother, sister, here I am, Lord. Send me. Is your heart open, whether you're 16 or 60, to fulfill this prophecy of Isaiah? Those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. We must note that though there were real consequences to the healed man's disobedience, God's plan still prevailed. Jesus still fulfilled his ministry. He fulfilled all righteousness. And at the right time, appointed by the Father, Christ died for the ungodly, paying the price for every disobedient thought, word, and deed, laying down his life as an offering for our cleansing, his blood, his blood speaking the words over us, clean, clean. And his resurrection singing, a hymn of hope. In like manner, fellow saints, our disobedience does have real consequences. We can enter heaven with wood, hay, and straw without anything of eternal value to offer our king. But our our, our failure will not thwart God's purpose to redeem the nations. He will do this with or without our individual help. But by choosing to trust and obey Rather than forfeit joy and eternal reward, we will reap a harvest of righteousness. And so in sum, behold Jesus. Come to Jesus. Ask of Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. And always trust and obey Jesus then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet and we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you are king of creation. You are king of our lives. We thank you for your great commission We thank you that this commission is for the church, for us together to fulfill in our respective roles and callings and and giftings, and that it looks different for each of us. Lord, we thank you for this honor and privilege that you've given us to participate with you in redeeming and bringing redemption to the nations. What an honor. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that they would know a confidence and a freedom in your spirit to live and serve within their gifting and to be faithful and fruitful in the Great Commission. I pray for your grace and blessing upon this church. For those here that are still seeking you, would you reveal yourself in fullness to them even this morning. I pray this in your matchless name.